1: Two. One. Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Dice Cast, brought to you by Rodoviz Radio and our friends over at My Bookie. It is 2020. We're ringing in the new year a few days late, Dan, but uh, just in time to review some wild card games. How are you this year?
2: Well, it's been a it's been an interesting start to be kind of an extension of the holiday season. A non-stop chaos for my household, but we're all we're all thriving. We're doing doing well. Busy but well. Uh, and you are alone currently. So I'm on my way.
1: Oh well, there you go. If that's not a booty call, I don't know what is. <laughs> um, all right. So we're gonna get into talking about some some of the uh, players from Wildcard Weekend and their dynasty values as they've changed from being eliminated or you know just an update on their value since the last time we talked about them some i honestly dan we're going to get into it in a little bit uh i don't think we've ever talked about tom brady dynasty value so this might be new
2: <laughs> probably for good reason we've never talked about it but i think we we can i think we can lay everything to rest at this point but we'll we'll dive in
1: all right let's get right into it actually we're gonna talk about tom brady uh, new england patriots eliminated uh losing to the tennessee titans at home and so obviously pretty much since Around the A-B release, there's been rumors swirling. I'm not sure the two are connected, but there's been rumors swirling about this being Tom Brady's last year. He's basically asked for an extension like four or five times, and each time the Patriots be like, eh, you're not really a good quarterback anymore, so we're not going to give you an extension. And pretty much everything is pointing to – it's going to be Tom's decision at this point, but also, you know, I think that the Patriots at the end of the day aren't going to give – Tom, what he thinks he deserves.
2: Yeah. And I feel like he's always kind of been one that always took more of like the team friendly route to a contract because he legitimately thought he could lead the team to winning. And I mean, they're probably going to have to pay him what? 35 million or something to, for it to be worth it to him. And I, yeah, I, I don't know that that's gonna happen. And and as bad as the year was with almost no options, I mean he still threw for four thousand yards and still had a twenty four and eight you know touchdown interception ratio. So it's I it's I, you know you don't want to say like it's done and over with, but we've kind of seen that slow and steady decline since. Probably like 2011, it, it just kind of started to go downhill ever so slightly year after year, and I think we've finally hit that that noodle arm Peyton Manning version of a quarterback. That it, it might just be time to ride off into the sunset, enjoy your two handfuls of Super Bowl rings and your perfect hair and your perfect jawline. And just, you know, be happy with it because at this point, I don't, he, he's not startable. I mean, no matter what they do, they could bring in three first round wide receivers and I, he's not going to be startable. I just, I, I don't see how it happens. Julian Edelman really at the end was the only usable asset. James White was, you know, kind of here and there. Um, we don't know really when Nikhil Harry is going to be. And I feel like old Tom isn't going to be helping Nikhil Harry at this point either. So I think it would be best for, everything if he just moves on maybe they go rookie maybe they go after one of the veteran guys if they think that that there's someone that can you know stand up to the Belichick and McDaniel system I, I don't know
1: yeah as someone who is uh, a Bucks fan actively rooting for Jameis to walk I think that that is the best possible pairing in terms of a short-term you know uh deal for for Bill Belichick and him trying to obviously win more Super Bowls before he decides to retire um, I so I'm kind of rooting for that I'm rooting for uh, Brady to walk or retire and rooting for Winston to the Patriots um, but I do think that you know Brady's going to have some suitors if he ends up leaving you know there's the Los Angeles Chargers have been rumored a little bit Dallas Cowboys if they let Dak walk that's not going to happen Even weirdly, uh, the Cleveland Browns are the Vegas favorite outside of the uh, Patriots, which makes no sense. Um, But yeah, overall, from a dynasty perspective, I think that Brady is a low end QB two and super flex um, in terms of a a short one year type asset. I I think for I know we've said this over and over and over, but I think that 2020 will for sure be his last year because you you said it yourself the 24 touchdowns, eight interceptions, like Tom can look at that and say, "Hey, I can still play a little bit." But he can't. Like that is he had the worst 24 and 8 season that's ever been had, and a lot of it was aided by a short burst of Antonio Brown.
2: Yeah, and a, and a relatively soft schedule for the most part. So it's yeah, I don't see I don't see how they can comfortably bring him back and think they're going to win, especially the way that team's built right now. But when you look at the big spectrum of things, I mean, there's plenty of there's plenty of looks that that the Patriots could go for when you're looking at uh, you know, unrestricted free agent quarterbacks just down the list based on kind of value: Breeze, Brady, Eli, Rivers. Teddy Bridgewater, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota. I mean, is it. Do we think Tom Brady's the best value of that group of quarterbacks? I can't imagine he is.
1: No, I, I would easily rather have uh, Jameis and Teddy.
2: I might even think Mar- Marcus Mariota, if healthy, is going to yeah. be more valuable. Yeah.
1: But I do think this will be one of the more interesting shakeups at the quarterback position that we've seen from the free agent landscape. You know, Prior to this, it's basically like, okay, who's getting drafted? But now there's actually free agent quarterbacks hitting the market. You know, Jameis might still get franchised. Breeze st- still might get franchised. Teddy might get something. Who knows? But I do think that there's going to be some interesting changing of hands. Flacco might get cut. Dalton might get cut. You know, there's so many things that can happen with the quarterback position this offseason. And uh, we'll be here to cover it all off season long. So we'll go into our next topic and it's Derek Henry, the man who basically single handedly eliminated the Patriots because Ryan Tannehill had less than a hundred passing yards. So Derrick Henry, uh obviously we've been talking about him all season. You know, I've been talking about him since he was like a sophomore in high school. Is he a top five dynasty running back right now?
2: No, I can't go there just because of his, his I and mean, he's not used in the passing game and as a as great as he is as the two down guy with all of the touchdowns and, and, you know, the the 300 plus use, you know, rushing usage, it's, it's probably easy to put him up in that general area. I would probably struggle to get him any higher than like 10, 11, 12, just because he doesn't have any involvement in the, in the passing game. And, you know, this isn't, this isn't 2009 or 2010 when, the league hadn't really transitioned to backs being fully, you know, engulfed in the passing game and and that kind of PPR scat back that we're we're kind of accustomed to seeing at this point. So, you know, he, he's probably what you would consider a true bell cow in the two down perspective. He's this generation's AP, and you know, AP was the RB one for a few years there, but there was also it wasn't so prominent for you know the PPR usage from guys. So I mean you've got you've got four or five legitimate Belkow guys that are getting all of the targets and all of the carries. and you've got a slew of guys getting enough carries and enough targets. And Derek Henry's probably in that second tier where you could probably consider him in the eight to ten range. I'd just i have a hard time seeing another season of 300 carries and sniffing 16 touchdowns. I think the yardage is, I mean, as crazy as that probably sounds, with 1,500, I think that's probably the most sustainable thing of of those three numbers. And obviously, you're going to need the carries to get those kind of yards because he was super, super efficient this year in an offense that was, I mean, seemingly built around him. And now with the addition of A.J. Brown kind of frees things up a little bit, Ryan Tannehill turned into... (laughs) an actual quarterback which um obviously was being ruined in Miami by Adam Gase for most of that but yeah I mean he's he's definitely in that conversation but I think I'm going to go for the guys that are catching passes before I'm going for Derrick Henry
1: yeah I mean if we're talking strict runner of the football he's probably number one or two best running running backs in the NFL but he just doesn't have the receiving work of Barkley of Christian McCaffrey you know uh, even of Alvin Kamara, who we'll talk about shortly. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I'd likely have him in like the seven to eight range next to like a Josh Jacobs. And I think that there will be, you know, some argument with like, Oh, do you want DeAndre Swift or Derrick Henry? Most people end up saying Henry, but you know, Swift might be a better, you know, receiver of the football. So we'll see how that goes throughout the, the season. But Henry, I, I don't think we saw anything in this game or in the last few weeks that we didn't already know about him. He is a great runner and he's not really going to be involved in the passing game too, too much. All right, let's move on to actually we'll, we'll go to Alvin Kamara first. Uh, this has been a bit of a disappointing uh, 2019 season for him into even the playoff game as well he he was injured for most of the season. He had zero 100-yard rushing games. Had had some certainly 100-yard all-purpose uh, yard games, but he he wasn't the player that we saw in the previous two seasons. So, have you lessened your love for Alvin Kamara at all this year or do you think we're seeing more of like he showed a little bit of his floor of not being a great running back but a great, you know, pass catching running back rather than just a great running back
2: well this season was a lot of a product of the offense becoming kind of a dink and dunk offense running almost exclusively through Michael Thomas and the lack of touchdown production that was that was really the big difference I mean we were his rookie season he had 728 rushing yards sophomore season 883 this season 797 and that was in 14 games so that rushing bench is probably about right. I think he's a thousand yard rusher, right? Almost on the dot. But then you look at the passing game, he's had 81 catches every single season, all three seasons. And this year, again, 97 targets, but in 14 games. So, you know, it's all there. Um, And
1: with 6.6 yards per catch, his worst of his three seasons.
2: Right. And that's a product of what the offense became. It was everything around the line of scrimmage. You know, basically everyone turned into the crazy targeted Jarvis Landry, and Michael Thomas is just such a freak that he's able to get away from those, you know, would be tacklers on the outside. Whereas Alvin's got to deal with linebackers and corners and safeties trying to get through. So I, I just, you know, I, I'm really not worried about it. I feel like if there was a good time to buy, it's going to be basically all off season while people, you know, shun and poo poo because he didn't take a big leap forward when in all reality, it was probably pretty difficult that he was going to take a big leap forward. As we see the decline of Drew Brees and we, you know, the the offense is different. Latavius Murray, isn't Mark Ingram. Uh, Mark Ingram showed obviously in Baltimore that he's still got plenty in the tank. And, and we were seeing that guy in new Orleans for quite some time. And he never really got the, the credit that he deserved. I never gave it to him. I know that, but he's, he's kind of proving now that, maybe we were kind of all wrong all along. So I'm buying Elvin Kamara, uh, especially if folks are sliding him down into that Derrick Henry range. I'd be more than happy to pay those types of prices. And I, I think we see a nice touchdown positive regression in, in 2020, obviously the 2018 season where he went for 14 on the ground and four through the air is maybe a touch high, but I don't think it's too far off the floor. I think this season, if anything, would be the outlier in his career for touchdown production.
1: Yeah, and I'm a guy who I, I have zero Alvin Kamara shares. So if I think he had a down year, which he did have a down year for his standards, uh, it might be time for me to just take the temperature on the on the people who do have him to see if I can pick up a share or two. Maybe offer like two, two and a half first type value. In all, in all likelihood, that'll get a reject and, and not even a counter. But it's worth... Testing it out to see after a less than optimal year. No doubt. All right. Let's go on to our next guy who did have p- pretty much an optimal year. It's DK Metcalf. Uh, DK Metcalf has basically shown all of the strengths that he had, you know, as a prospect and what people liked about him uh, coming into the NFL and has shown very little of the weaknesses of the drop passes. Of the, you know, yes, his, his route running tree in the NFL has been limited somewhat but that hasn't stopped his production uh so are you moving dk metcalf up your ranks maybe to a possible low-end wide receiver one uh where do you think you'd have him right now
2: yeah i think honestly i think he's a fringe one um he's he's up in that i would say I, i i don't think you can put him in the 12 to 14 but i think he's just outside of that he i mean maybe we can consider him there. I, I, I don't know. He had such a, a, a solid season on really limited work, but I mean, that's kind of what the Seahawks are. Russell Wilson's one of the most efficient passers in the history of ever. So, you know, him only getting a hundred targets, but catching 58 for 900, that's kind of sick. Uh, the touchdowns are there with seven. And then you see him take over a game like he did in the playoffs. It's just, you know, he, he's, he's got that ability and everyone wants to go to the three cone and limited route tree and all of this and that. And the other thing, he is elite at what he does and he's still learning. You know, he's, he's not, he's not like he's an old man or anything. He's a 22 year old kid who's still learning football, still learning how to do a lot of things and, and trying to, you know, figure out the balance of his body and not just being, you know, the incredible Hulk and, you know, getting all of the extra flexibilities and, and all of these things. So I think, the sky's the limit for DK Metcalf. I think he's going to continue to improve on his route tree and get better at all of those things. But even if he doesn't, he's in the best possible place to take advantage of all of the things he does so well with an elite quarterback, with a very good counterpart in Tyler Lockett and an offense that is built to be efficient and to take advantage of those big plays and to take advantage of him as a weapon. So this is, this, this for me, you know, he leapfrogs Tyler Lockett. Um, he's got age on his side. He's got all of the production going in his general direction. I'd love to see, you know, a, a little bit bigger target share and maybe being a little more efficient with those targets. It wasn't necessarily a great thing, only catching 58%, but he's a rookie. You know, We, we it kind of is like a Mike Evans type thing where it's a little more... You know, a lot of 50/50 balls, a little more, maybe a little more volatile. Um, not super, super consistent, but the massive upside is is so worth the price right now. and, and I still think he's got room to go a little bit higher. Yeah
1: I mean obviously it gets outdated pretty quickly in season ADP but the last updated ADP was wide receiver 22. Uh, He leapfrogs a bunch of guys very quickly over Ridley for sure, over Thielen, over A-Rob, over Chark, over Lockett, over Cup. The one where it starts to get interesting is this tier of Galladay, Sutton, Diggs. I I think that he belongs with with those three and I think that he could easily be the best of of that group. He could easily be the worst, but I I think that's where he belongs. So that, that is in the, you know, 13 to 16 range.
2: Yeah. That, that makes all the sense in the world. I would, I would, if I just had to like throw a dart at a board, I'd probably be aiming for 14 is where I'd be comfortable having him just off the top of my head.
1: All right. Before we get into uh, the rest of our show, it's going to be a quick show, Dan. We're, we're getting out the takes nice and fast today. Uh, You know, who else gets takes out nice and fast? Rotoviz. Get involved with Rotoviz today. You got to do it. got to do it, folks. Uh, we have an exclusive for our listeners a 10% discount, 10% off of Rotoviz NFL Pass right now. It's avail- available through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. We're in the playoffs, uh, not, not the fantasy playoffs, the NFL playoffs. Got some good fantasy content going on there. Getting limited access to all of our NFL content and tools, and you get amazing value and support the podcast network. Once again, it's rotoviz.com slash podcast. Along with getting involved with the with RotoViz in our, our past, you got to get involved with our friends over at my bookie. Uh, do you like to bet? You like to get, do a little parlay, a little teaser? Uh, nothing's better than a betting on, on, on an NFL playoff game, NFL playoff weekend, get some parlays and teasers going on. And the best way, the absolute best way to do it is with our friends over at my bookie. Uh, you can uh, deposit now and get a 50% deposit bonus. So uh, deposit $200, get $100 uh, in, in free bets. Do that now, and uh, you can bet on, on this weekend's games with promo code Rotoviz. That's mybookie.ag
2: promo code Rotoviz, 50% deposit bonus. Wow, that was that was really good. It was almost as good as our next player. That is, of course, none other than. Frank Gore's shadow, Devin Singletary somehow not getting 110% of all touches in Buffalo. They continue to ride the corpse that once was the robotic Frank Gore. And Devin Singletary's kind of slowly moved up the dynasty ranks. But I still don't think he's really getting the recognition he deserves and, and... seemingly stuck behind the likes of your James Connors, your Melvin Gordons, Le'Veon Bell, Marlon Mack, all of these guys. And we saw nothing but positive things from Devin Singletary all season. So, Nathan, what are you doing with Devin Singletary? And do you think that his price reflects what he did in 2019?
1: He did enough in his rookie season to show that he should be going higher than, than where he was currently being valued, which is at RB21. I mean, he had a good rookie season. The guy drafted ahead of him, RB20, David Montgomery, had a terrible rookie season. Like, honestly, at this point, I, I wasn't a big fan of David Montgomery Montgomery's prospect. I was a big fan of Singletary's prospect. Singletary had like 100 rushing touchdowns in his college career. So I was a big fan of that uh, production going on. But also, he had a better rookie season than Montgomery. And honestly, I think that Buffalo is a better long-term offense uh, than Chicago is. I think that Buffalo is going to invest at the wide receiver position, whether it be in the draft or in free agency. I think, obviously, the draft is probably the better route because they already tried the free agency. They got John Brown, who was decent. Beasley it was called Beasley. They they need some young talent at the wide receiver position uh, in Buffalo. And hopefully that will help evolve the whole offense, including Devon Singletary. But yeah, for me, I I think that you you do have to wait a bit. Like, fortunately for people who want to buy Devin Singletary, the Bills lost, so Singletary can't put any more tape out there that shows that he's you know a top 15, top 16 NFL running back. And I think he's I think that he could have shown that if he had more opportunity. Uh, so I think that he's worth you know um, like 107, 108. Like, is does that seem high? Like, I I don't know. Obviously. It's tough to say because you know we're, we're getting all these declarations of of where uh, of players going to the draft, um, and we'll get a more clear picture when Feb- February ADP comes out, and obviously even more clear after the draft. But I don't know. I I mean, Singletary is a guy that I'm going to be confident putting in my 2020 lineup, and I'm not sure how many rookies I'm going to be able to say that about uh, in 2020.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting spot, and and like you mentioned that the potential for where that offense could go in the future with Josh Allen, who um, as a, you know, kind of pseudo running quarterback, obviously he has the massive arm, but he takes advantage of his legs. And, and that only helps Devin Singletary. It keeps defense on their heels and it, it gives them plenty of options to do things on offense. But like you mentioned, they do need to fill in, Uh, outside they need they need to add on whether that's with you know Smokey Brown sticking around and and adding on to him or just kind of bringing in an entire new fleet I I feel like I feel like he's got uh, you know long a long way to go to you know where he's actually going to be but there's there's not a lot I don't think there's a whole lot in front of him that uh, as far as players go that we couldn't say well, I'd rather have Devin Singletary than that guy. I'd rather have Devin Singletary than Melvin Gordon, than, than James Conner. You know, there's, there's a lot of those previously thought bell cow type guys. And now I think we can probably comfortably say, as hopefully Frank Gore is an afterthought moving forward, and they don't make the mistake of, of continuing to not use Devin Singletary to his full potential, I think we can comfortably say he's on that trajectory to becoming the bell cow type. He's in an offense that, that kind of likes to use that guy and and do those things for me. I'm going to have him up there with like miles Sanders. You know, I I feel like I feel like those two as rookies probably climb the board somewhat similarly, obviously Sanders had much more consistent usage in the passing game. We saw big games from Singletary in the passing game and, and then just complete, you know, complete eggs. So I, I think it's all there. I think we need to see consistent usage. And once we get to that point, I think we'll cons- we'll, we'll see a really consistent high-end RB2.
1: Yep, I definitely agree with that. And I, I think that he will be a, the type of guy who gets overlooked for the rookies. So, I mean, I, I, I think that once the rookies are involved, especially after the draft, I think you can get Singletary for an early second pretty much what what people paid for him last year um but as of now coming off the hype it's probably more like a late first
2: yeah i wouldn't i you know you probably could go shopping now if you're going to start moving players for singletary if you're going to try to move picks to get singletary like nathan said i would wait until we get closer to draft time we see some landing spots and guys can kind of start pinpointing hey this is the area of drafts that i'm targeting i want players worth you know the 15th best spot And that might be a time where you can get into someone like Devin Singletary or another, you know, RB2 type if you're not fully in love with with, you know, that back half of talent in in this this fleet coming in. So, yeah, I think he'll be a buy, but it's just going to take a little bit of time. Let's move
1: on to our next topic, which is the Philadelphia Eagles tight ends. We have Zach Ertz, who obviously one of the best tight ends in the NFL today, and Dallas Goddard, one of the best young tight ends in the NFL today. And pretty much when Dallas Goddard got drafted, the the, the discussion was, oh wait till Zach Ertz hits free agency, Dallas Goddard's going to be the goat. And then Zach Ertz signed a long term extension, and it's like, oh, is he going to be stuck behind Zach Ertz forever? I I'm not so sure at this point. I I think that I'm stuck between two two takes. Either a Dallas Goddard is so good that he's going to be a top eight NFL, a top eight fantasy tight end while being a tight end two on the offense. But the other take in my mind that, that is popping up is that all the wide receivers died in Philadelphia, and it took all of the wide receivers dying for the tight end to to get consistent targets to be a guy that you'd be willing to start. Obviously, in and in playoff fantasy is a little bit different. But you know, I, I felt comfortable putting Dallas Goddard in my playoff fantasy lineups because Zach Ertz was banged up, but also because they had nothing else at wide receiver. So. How much of Goddard's late season emergence was the Philadelphia injuries, and how much of it was Philadelphia realizing they have a really freaking good weapon on their hands?
2: Yeah, I think there's a lot going towards Goddard having a lot more value faster than we thought he was probably gonna get to. We were I think there was a lot of talk originally that maybe it'd be like his age twenty six season, which is probably four years in that we'd probably see Zach Ertz completely out and Goddard fully taking on that role. And a lot of times, that's when we see tight ends really start to produce those big time numbers. But this one feels like uh, I feel like Doug Peterson finally realized that. Well, and you know, all of, like you said, all of the wide receivers dying helped. But they started to kind of transition into a lot of two tight end stuff, having both of those guys on the field, even when they had wide receivers that were healthy. Even though they never really had any wide receivers, I mean, it was Alshon Jeffrey and and Aguilar basically all season. They had Deshaun Jackson for what, a week and a half, two weeks. <laughs> so it's it, they're not gonna they're not gonna go out and fully. I mean, they're not gonna get three starting wide receivers in one off season. They might bring in one and, and a few rookies, uh, one legit wide receiver and a few rookies. But this to me feels like it's going to be a two tight end, Miles Sanders, for the most part. I still feel like they're gonna. They're gonna have a, another back involved as, as, like a kind of a two-down help-out guy. But this, this feels like we could have two tight ends in the top six, seven, eight, nine of tight end scoring because of how gross tight end is, and because of how pretty consistent these two were. And like you mentioned towards the end, we were comfortable having him in there. He had, he had, I mean, plenty to to go in. And for most of the season, he was pretty consistent. I don't think he had any goose eggs aside from maybe early on in the season when he was hurt, but he was, I mean, he was there. He was, he was catching passes. And in the tight end, if you have any sort of floor in in that gross landscape, you, your value like triples just by being somewhat consistent. We'd love to see more touchdown output, obviously, but four as a rookie, five as a sophomore, Zachary talking a lot of that. Uh, quarterback kind of being all over the place in Philly. We don't know what's going on with Carson Wentz. Obviously, McCown isn't an answer. So that that's if there was any sort of downside to the whole situation, it's it's probably that we don't know what quarterback is going to be. And if you know, I, I guess tight end probably isn't as reliant on what the quarterback is because most of those are four, five, six yard routes anyways. But Um, for guys like Goddard he's a little bit more of a downfield type threat and can get downfield so we were going to hopefully get a a healthy Wentz but that seems like it might be an oxymoron at this point
1: yeah but anyone blaming Carson Wentz for being injury prone because Connie took a shot to his head uh they're just an idiot (laughs) so Uh, (laughs) yes all right let's wrap up today's show with let's talk some saints Uh, We have uh, the Saints quarterbacks. Uh, I use quarterbacks in quotation marks there. We have – we're going to start with Taysom Hill. Uh, Taysom Hill uh, had a huge game uh, in the Saints playoff loss, a receiving touchdown for Taysom Hill, which was great for those of us that started him at quarterback. Oh, wait, that was nobody. Um, So kind of how I want to introduce this is that right now Taysom Hill doesn't have any dynasty value. And there's no one who can say otherwise. There's no dynasty value that can be given to Taysom Hill as a quarterback. Because if you're going to start a guy at quarterback, you're at least going to be starting a guy who's a starting NFL quarterback. Taysom Hill will never be a starting NFL quarterback. I don't care how many times Mike Tirico has to say, well, he really has a shot to be the heir apparent. Did you no, he doesn't. Stop it. <laughs> uh, but the sliver of maybe he might be a, you know, a, a fantasy asset one day is – the slight chance that MFL slash year fantasy service switches him to tight end. FanDuel had him at tight end towards the end of the season. So what would be, or let's pose it in terms of like, if it actually happens, what would be your fantasy reaction to Taysom Hill becoming a tight end?
2: Well, I mean, if they use him as a tight end, it would be somewhat big. Uh, Again, depends on if Breeze is back, if it's Bridgewater the offense can obviously support a tight end especially a big athletic one. It's just, for me, it's not a, I don't feel like he's ever really going to be an actual asset. It's always going to be the random splash plays. If you're going to have him anywhere, you pretty much can only have him in like a two QB league. If that's the designation he holds or in a best ball league.
1: That's that is, that is interesting. That's something I hadn't really thought about is obviously you're never going to start him. But, you know, if it's a deep best ball league, you know, 30 plus roster spots, like that's not a bad way to, to spend a roster spot, you know, because you do have, you know, the off chance that he gets a couple snaps. And and like before, you know, early in the season, he wasn't getting targets. He was getting targets toward the end of the season. You know, he got a, a red zone target or, you know, you would think it was like a 30 yard touchdown pass. Um, But but yeah, I, I think that his fantasy value is completely reliant on, on a position change um, or just talk about very deep best
2: Yeah. And, and even then he's not going to have a ton of value unless they really go to using him as a tight end rather than just physically him getting that designation. I just don't see how it's worth even considering putting him in a lineup outside of a, a really hideous bye week where you have like nine potential starters out. And it's like, well, I got Taysom Hill sitting there. Maybe I can throw him in. That's that's basically the only time you're considering him. I mean, he did have six receiving touchdowns this year, but I think what, his, his season high for targets was like three. So, yeah, there's at no point am I going to consider him a real fantasy asset until the Saints or Taysom Hill show all of us that he's going to be used as some sort of hybrid receiver, H-back, fullback, tight end thing. Yeah, I, I I don't know. It's a weird the whole it's a weird thing.
1: And we'll wrap up the show with Drew Brees talk. Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater both pending free agents. So if you're putting your money down right now, who starts week one for the New Orleans Saints?
2: That's a good question and interesting bet. I would probably say Taysom Hill. <laughs> I would probably say it's Drew breeze but I wouldn't hate like a twenty to one bet on Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, you're not getting those odds though. <laughs> it's interesting, you know, with, with the thumb thing and in, in, you know, we kind of, we kind of saw the offense transition, like we mentioned earlier in the show, when we were talking Alvin Kamara into a, a kind of a dink and dunk offense. It was, it was kind of. Weird. I mean, the, the crazy high touchdown percentage considering he played 11 games, but all of the averages and, and everything were, you know, not entirely hideous. But if we were to stretch that across 16 games, I feel like those numbers are going to be around in the career lows for just about everything outside of touchdowns, you know, yardage is whatever. And it's Drew Brees, so he's not going to be turning the ball over an absolute ton, especially at you know this point in his career. He's he's a little more selective with the throws he makes. He hasn't really been pushing it down the field quite as much. A lot of these throws are to Michael Thomas, who's just a target hog, and and you know the offense basically runs through him. So whatever whatever depth that Drew's comfortable at throwing the ball is basically where they're going to be finding Michael Thomas. So. I, I feel like he's kind of in the same boat with, you know, Eli and Brady and, and I I just feel like it's probably time to walk away. 20 years is a long ass time to play in the NFL. And I mean, he's got his rings. He's got everything that you could hope to do as a quarterback and he's got his health still. So maybe you just kind of, like I said with Brady, right off into the sunset and, and just call it good and be happy with it as much as it probably stings to, to what, three straight playoffs losing to, well, two to the Vikings and one to the Rams, all with kind of a, a sour taste in your mouth. I guess when you look, think about it from that perspective, it's probably pretty likely Drew Brees is back just because those are three pretty awful ways to go out. But, you know, he's going to be 41 and, and um, there's not a whole lot of, of historical data to, go with these guys. You know, you've got Brett Favre, you've got Tom Brady and you've got Drew Brees and a little bit of, I don't think Peyton Manning well, He was what? 38, 39 when he retired. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like if he comes back, it won't last very long.
1: Yeah. I, I think Brady and Brees are both on one year max type deals. If they return to their homes. Uh, I do think that Brees will definitely have more market value on the free agent market. If they both end up hitting free agency, And I I think that the best move for the Saints is to give, you know, a two to three year deal to Teddy, even if they are bringing back uh, Breeze, because I I like Teddy, but I'm not sure he has a home as a starting quarterback anywhere other than New Orleans. I I think that, you know, people are uh, teams are going to look at do I pay Teddy, Teddy, $18 million or do I draft a quarterback in the second round? And I think most teams are going to go the rookie route before they go the Teddy route.
2: I think the chargers for Teddy could make a good amount of sense. are they that team is awful like but they're not (laughs) if you look if you go back there i forget who tweeted it it wasn't it wasn't all that long ago they went through and and did kind of a deep dive on all of the teams if you if you you know turn their one possession games into the opposite version of what or their one one score games the chargers were been like 13 and three or something (laughs) it's (laughs) like they just couldn't close the the defense couldn't do it Philip Rivers is continually choked on his own arm, uh, his little shot put ball, whatever the hell that thing is. And it, I, they've got enough in place where they should be a perennial playoff team, and they just can't finish. They just can't do it. And and
1: half their team's on the medical staff.
2: Yeah. This year, <laughs> I feel like, this year I feel like they were actually somewhat healthy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> all right that should wrap us up for this week hope you enjoyed wild card weekend uh hope that you uh, enjoy divisional weekend and make sure to hook us up uh rotoviz rotoviz radio subscription as well as your MyBookie sign up promo code rotoviz and we'll talk to you guys next week kadoosh